The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. We are set to go. If you are set to go, and how do you... uh... How do you get set to go? You pick up a phone, you call us, we have a chat, we talk about workplace rights. That's what this show is based on for the last 10 years. Got lots of time, so bring it on to reach out through email anytime, as a matter of fact, help at employmentlawyer.ca and the website, which is free and anonymous and available for you anytime, including the severance calculator, that would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. On the show, hiring new employees, the do's and the don'ts. We'll get to that in just a bit with Lior, but pal, you've got the uh, the case of the day. What are you working on? Oh, gosh. Uh, employment law, John. Uh, Go figure. Law is what I'm working Yeah, a particular change uh, in, of pace. Yeah, I'm working about employment <laughs> law. But, you know, in all seriousness, this has been a very busy, very intense start of the year at my office. Uh, the volume of calls that we're getting every day, every week is, for us, uh, unprecedented. Uh, and, you know, if, if for those calling, if it takes us a bit longer than usual to call you back, that's why we're going to call everyone back. But this is a great opportunity right now on the show to get me here live, to have your questions answered. If it has anything to do with workplace law, with employment law, with your boss doing something or saying that they're going to do something. Ultimatums. My gosh, I've been seeing so many ultimatums recently. Uh, can they give you that ultimatum? What should you do? Should you respond? Well, whatever that issue, if it has to do with employment, your job, your workplace, your boss, you have us here live answering questions for your benefit. And of course, if you want to take that next step beyond this uh, radio chat, if you want me to talk to you personally or to get to work and actually resolve that issue, easy, very, very easy to do. In fact, we'll give you that contact information throughout the show so that you can connect with me off air. But... We always want to start off with an example of something that came across my desk, our case of the day. Well, I spoke with the lady who had been working with the same employer since 2017. Now, every year she signed a new contract with the company. So contract would end at the end of the year. She signed a new contract for the following year. And then again, holidays came, end of the year, signed a new contract, etc. And she did that uh, up until uh, end of 2022. Shortly before the end of the year, she suffered a workplace injury. She was off for a couple of months, came back to work. Shortly after that, the year ended and her employer said, well, we've decided this time not to renew. So you're not going to be back in 2023. Uh, the contract is ended in December 31st of 2022. We're going to wish you good, uh, all the best and say goodbye to you. She called me. Uh, she mm-hmm. finally kind of got the nerve to call me earlier today. I spoke to her. And uh, here's the thing, John. First of all, let's forget about the injury just for a second. I'll get back to that. But the fact that she signed several contracts since 2017 means that those yeah. contracts are now meaningless. They're irrelevant. What she really is now is a regular, full-time, indefinite employee. Those contracts are meaningless. Once you sign more than three or so of these contracts – fixed-term contracts, they become meaningless. You become a full-time, regular employee. That means that now that they decided to let her go at the end of December, because she's no longer on contract in the eyes of the law, they have to pay her severance. And she's been there for four-plus years. For her, that's easily going to be six, seven, maybe even eight months of severance. So there's an important reminder there that if you're on a series of contracts, contracts ends, you sign a new one, contract ends, sign a new one. 
Well, that contract is meaningless. You're now a regular employee. So if your employment ends, you're owed severance. I see that in many industries. One of them is in private schools. In private schools, I see that often. A teacher signs a new contract for the new year. Year ends, a new contract. Well, believe me when I tell you, that is now meaningless. It's a waste of paper, frankly. You're a regular employee. You're owed severance if you lose your job. But there's another issue in that story that I gave you, and the fact that they renewed the contract for four years, no problem. Now they decided not to renew. What has changed? Well, it appears that what's changed is that she suffered a workplace injury. So if the reason they decided to let her go was because of that injury, it's illegal. That could be a human rights violation. It could be a violation of workers' comp legislation. It's not something they're allowed to do. It can't even be part of the discussion, part of the decision. So if you are injured, disabled, are being accommodated, want accommodation, and you lose your job, well, chances are something illegal is happening here. You have to call me right away. I'll help you, just like I'm going to help this lady. Uh, but there's some very important lessons there to be learned for all employees. Yeah, you've, uh, I mean, you've had situations, Leor. You've heard this for people going on for years, if not decades, with contracts, like teachers at private schools. And sometimes they just say, okay, we're done. Thanks. Out you go. And unfortunately, they don't listen to the show and they don't know any better, right? Yeah, I, I last year I, I spoke with a, a lady who had been teaching in the same private school for over a dozen years, John. Yeah. She was an older lady, sweetest lady you'll ever meet. And yeah, after 12 years, her employer said, no, no, that's it. We're not going to renew this time. Well, again, she was an indefinite employee. So we ended up resolving her matter on the basis of 15 or 16 months of severance uh, because she's a regular indefinite employee. Employers don't realize that. Employees don't realize that. Unless, of mm-hmm. course, you listen to the show, and guess what? Now you know. You got it. And with that, we'll take a short break and get into our hiring of new employees. There you go. Do's and don'ts. That is on the way, and the Employment Law Show continues. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Thank you for tuning in on the show tonight. We do it all week at 6.30, so lots of chances for you to listen to the show and also contribute. First, I want to get to Bill, who's been standing by on the phone. Hey, Bill, thanks for uh, picking up the phone, pal. How are you? Uh, the question is, is it legal for an employer at the interview to have a lawyer and or a psychologist sitting in? Well, to be honest with you, I can't tell you that I've ever seen that actually happen, but I can tell you that there's no law that would prevent that. Uh, I mean, I think it would be kind of silly for an employer to do that, but there is certainly no law that would prevent the employer from having anyone in particular uh, sitting on a, on the interview, Bill. Why do you call it silly? Well, I, I think that I'm not a psychologist, but a lawyer. I, I don't think that a lawyer's place is in an interview, and I think that that could be intimidating for the person being interviewed. I can see the benefit of the psychologist for sure, but a lawyer, I, I certainly don't know that I would have uh, – I, I would do that if in my business. I just think that that could be intimidating and send the wrong message to the employee. Appreciate the call, Bill. You got some time as well to do like Bill did and give us a call, 416-870-6400. Okay, hiring new employees, do's and don'ts. These are important uh, reminders for all potentials going in and out, both employers and employees. Number one, 
what can an employer ask about uh, an interview and what is considered, you know, taboo in that, uh, that particular venue or that arena? What do you yeah. think, Bill? Yeah, so I, I often get questions from people about, you know, what's <laughs> Bill actually is an example of you know, kind of yeah. what's appropriate and not appropriate in an interview and, and the job, pro, job search, job hiring process. So the interview is a good place to start here and that generally speaking, an employer should limit their questions to things that are relevant to the job, relevant to the employee's ability to do the job, relevant to understanding the employee's qualifications, skills, and experience. Uh, anything that strays too far uh, from that could be problematic, especially if it touches on certain human rights grounds. So what I mean for th- by that, for example, is you cannot be asked questions about your age, for example. Well, your age is not relevant to the job. And a decision as to whether to hire or not hire should not be based on age. That would be a human rights violation, age discrimination. Mm -hmm. By the same token, you shouldn't be asked questions about your religion, uh, unless, of course, it's relevant to the job. If you're going to be hired to be a teacher in a Catholic school, then yeah, your religion is relevant for sure. But unless your religion is relevant and necessary for your job, it's irrelevant. Your sexual orientation, uh, for example, uh, your ethnicity, None of that are going to be relevant, and in fact, it would suggest that an employer would want to consider an improper ground to decide whether to hire. So that absolutely can be a human rights violation. There have been many cases where uh, the Human Rights Tribunal found employers guilty of human rights violations simply by asking the wrong questions or considering the wrong factors when hiring new employees. So definitely not appropriate. And I guess a big one up there would be, you know, are you pregnant or are you planning to get pregnant, right? Yeah, a very big one. I mean, that I, I hope, my gosh, by now, <laughs> be obvious, never, ever ask that question. Completely illegal, completely irrelevant, uh, not a question that anyone should, uh, should ask or be asked in an interview. Uh, automatic human rights violation right there. Hey, Nathan, how are you? Hey, how I'm doing good. I used to work for a large, I don't work for them for many, many reasons, but I, I worked for them for a year. Um, large tire distributor from out West who everybody would probably know the name of. Anyways, they had an unwritten policy and they would tell people once hired, oh, you didn't, did you shave today? Uh, no, well, I didn't. Good. If you want to grow a beard, take a vacation and grow a beard on your own time. Come back with it manicured. Otherwise, go home. And they would say that to every employee. I just wondered if they were, if an employee was to say, you know what, I'm growing a beard, I've manicured it, yeah, it's not a full beard right now, and I refuse to abide by that, if they fired them, would they have a leg to stand on? Well, if they fired them, that would be a termination without cause, meaning the employee would be owed severance. Remember, an employer can let you go pretty much for any reason, as long as they pay severance. So the example that I often use is they can say, we're only going to have people that drive red cars. We're going to let go of everyone that drives blue cars. That's a silly thing, right? Employers not going to do that. But legally, they could as long as they pay severance. So the same thing with the beard. Could that be a grounds to fire someone without severance? No, the severance would have to be paid. But it gets interesting here as well with the beard is that some people uh, obviously have to have a beard for religious reasons. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, an employer can't fire them if they have to have that beard. Uh, for, they need to be accommodated. So severance is not going to help that employer. So having a policy that says everyone can have beards in itself could be a human rights violation because it should allow for exceptions for people that require or, or wear the beard for religious reasons. 
make sense, Nathan? Yeah, it does. I think it was more along the lines that they were, they would push this absolute clean policy, clean shaven policy. And if you were, if you went two days without shaving and don't forget, this is a lot of it was pretty, was grunt work. I was not on the grunt side of things, but a lot of the guys who never even were customer facing were told, go, you're, if you don't, if you don't show up shaved tomorrow, we're writing you up and you're going to go home without pay. And they would say that they straight to everybody. That. No, they cannot. You know what? I hope some, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope people are listening because they have 5,000 employees across Canada and that's their policy. Wow. Yeah. Well, no I kidding. mean, if someone loses their job because of that, like I said, they can lose their job, but severance would have to be paid absolutely. So people have to make their decisions as to what they what they prefer, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Again, 416-870-6400. Uh, Mike, you're up next, pal. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, sir. What's on your mind? I I just had a question. Uh, I was recently terminated from my, my job. Uh, in reg- uh, what happened was... Um, I was working with another coworker and he had a problem with our boss with the, our boss was making rude statements about another employee. And, uh, so this co- my coworker complained to HR about in regards to what he was saying. And, uh, he, he mentioned that I was a witness that I heard the whole thing. So the following day, what happened was, uh, HR reached out to me. I kind of ignored her cause I knew what she was calling about. I didn't want to get involved. She called me the, the following day again, and I finally answered. And uh, I said, yes, I did witness what he did say. He did say all those nasty things about another coworker. Mm-hmm. And uh, within a couple of days, I was terminated. Oh, wow. So, okay. And what, what happened was I was terminated within a couple of days later. And then the, the, the actual coworker who made the complaint, he was terminated the next day. They, they didn't give me, or they just told me I was, I was being terminated from my position. But before that, I was, re- I was given emails that I was doing a good job. Everything was fine. So I'm, I'm relating it to all go back to what was happening. Yeah. Right? So I was just wondering so, if I have a case. Yeah. Against Mike, how long ago did this happen? Oh, uh, but it just past a week. Okay. And is this a union position? No. Okay, so the other uh, gentleman is in the union position, so he he found the job right away, right? Oh, but I was, right, but you not were not part of a union. No, I'm not. No. Okay. Now, did they pay you or offer you any severance? They offered me two weeks. Yes. And how long uh, did you work there for? Just over a year. I had my year so, re- review, and though everything was fine, and they so they number one, uh, Mike. You, you're owed more than two weeks severance. You'd probably be looking closer to three or four months, not weeks, months of severance, number one. Number two is this. If you participate and, and support someone and, and, and provide information about a harassment complaint, then you can't be fired because of that. It's not appropriate at all. That could be what we call a reprisal, and, and uh, there could be significant consequences to that. That's even apart from the severance. So... And it's clear to me that both of you lost your job. It had to be because of that. There's no way in the world where it was not tied to this whole harassment situation. So what I want you to do, Mike, is I want you to connect with me off air because, number one, there's the severance issue. Number two is you may be owed additional damages and compensation because of the circumstances of them letting you go. So there's a lot of stuff here to discuss and, and potentially significant entitlements that you have. So I want you to call me in the office and, and let's have that discussion. Okay. How do I get your phone number? 
I'm going to give it to you now, Mikey, if you hang on. That number uh, to reach out to Lior and his team is 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. And you can also reach out to help at employmentlawyer.ca. You, you said it's, it sounds like a no-brainer on air. Would he have to have some documented proof that the, because the, they're going to say, no, no, that's not why we fired him. It had nothing to do with the reason why we let him go. It's performance or we just got sick of him. I mean, they're going to try that. They're going to play that card, right? Well, you know, I think with timing like this, the the guy uh, speaks up, he gets fired two days later. The other guy also gets fired at the same time. Yeah, they're gonna the company's gonna have to provide another reason, and it's gonna have to be something really, really good. Sometimes just the appearance is so bad that unless you have a, a you know evidence that you drafted a termination letter a week before the guy said anything right. about the harassment. You're going to be uh, seen as being let go or, or letting someone go because of the harassment. It, it's it's the law smarter than that. You know, timing often is everything. And in this case, I think it's very obvious what happened here. And remember, it's a very important thing to remember. If you're let go because you're talking about harassment, complaining about harassment, supporting someone in a harassment situation, you cannot be let go. That's illegal. There are going to be significant consequences for the employer uh, right there. And uh, right now we're talking about hiring do's and don'ts. And uh, what are risks? How about this? What are the risks for employers and employees who are working with headhunters? Because we, we get calls all the time. You know, I was let go. Who pays my severance? It was a headhunter, you know, so on and so forth, right? What are the risks? So for employers, here's the problem. Uh, if you're, you're having a head, <clears throat> excuse me, a headhunter working for you, going after people, they're considered to be your agent. So essentially they're an extension of you. And you may not know what the headhunter is saying to the individual, what promises they're making, what they're doing to try to convince them to maybe leave the job that they had. And that could be extremely important because what if the headhunter says to them, oh yeah, they're looking to, uh, to hire someone so they can promote them to manager down the road. So you should leave your, your, uh, your job. So they recruit someone away. Well, with these types of promises, number one, you may be bound by the promise to make someone a manager. Number two is you may inherit the, uh, the service of the employee right. that you've recruited without even realizing it. So when you work with, as an employer, if you work with a recruiter, you really have to be very clear with them about what they're allowed to say and what they're not allowed to say. Uh, and, and you want to have that discussion and make sure that they're not just going off on their own doing whatever they want for an employee. If you're getting, if the recruiter makes you any promises, you got to get it in writing. Okay, you don't want to be, be getting involved in a he, uh, he said, she said scenario down the road. Get it in writing. Make sure that the employer that you work for is aware of it, uh, and don't quit your job for promises made by the recruiter unless, again, you have it in writing, signed, signed by the employer that you're going to be joining. Yeah, you know, that first one, the employer, you can imagine some recruiter promises all kinds of things under the under the sun for this potential employee, you know, pulls them away from a 25-year job and they turn out to be an absolute dud. You can imagine the severance uh, over the upheaval for the uh, the new employer, right? Could be brutal. Yeah, because the new employer may inherit that service. So if you're an mm -hmm. employer and you're a headhunter, recruit someone from a job, as John said, 25 years they come work for you, and after a few months, it's not the right fit. I'm going to let him go. And you figure, okay, he's worked for me for four months. I'll pay him a bit of severance, but that's it. Well, not so fast because your headhunter worked so hard to recruit him for that 25-year job. You now inherited that 25 years. You now have a 25-year employee on your hands who you may owe two years severance for 
even though they only work for you for a few months. So that's why it's extremely important for the employer to be on the same page with the recruiter and also properly utilize employment agreements. Hiring employees, do's and don'ts. So some good advice for employees, employees, if they work with a headhunter, how do they, we know what to do if you're an employee, but for no employees, anything else they should be looking out for? Well, number one, that employment agreement. Uh, in fact, yeah. I'm, I'm going to focus on that here is extremely important for an employee. Okay. If you're going to be recruited away from a secure job, watch out for that agreement, right? You don't want to sign something that limits your severance, that puts you on probation, that gives the, co- the company all kinds of rights and powers that they shouldn't have. If you're an employer, you kind of want the opposite. You want to make sure that you have something in the employment agreement that says, we're not going to inherit your past service. You agree with us that we're not recognizing that service. Uh, you agree with us that we haven't made any promises to you other than what's written in this document. So very important for employees and employers, if you, especially if you're working with a recruiter, but even otherwise, to properly utilize employment agreements. Uh, it's a key thing, and, and both employees and employers often don't pay enough attention to that document, John. You know, for all the things you just mentioned, it could be scary for employers as well. So, so how does an employee, you know, what should they do if they want to give themselves proper time to evaluate a new employee and rush into it? So an employer should always uh, use a probationary period. Remember, probation ah. is not automatic. Right. So an employer may think, okay, well, uh, this person just started. So I guess they're on probation for the first two months, three months. No, no, no. Nothing is automatic. Probation is not. So if you want to give yourself time as an employer to evaluate an employee, you have to have a term in an employment agreement that says for the first three months you're on probation. And during that time, if we want to let you go, we're not going to owe you anything. So you have to put that in writing. And and that's the only way you're uh, potentially relieved from any severance obligations. Otherwise, if you hire an employee, even on day one, if you let them go, they're still going to be owed severance, potentially measured in months. So that for an employer, that probationary term, very important. And so for employees, as far as probation being entitled to severance, if they lose their job, that's the key wording right there. We don't owe you anything if. Yes, that's right. So an employee also would be uh, very wise to consider that probationary term uh, because why? If you, you're not on probation automatically and unless you've agreed to be let go in the first three months without any compensation, you're going to be owed severance even after a month, after two months, after three months. Absolutely. And that severance is significant. But remember, even past the probationary period, let's say you work for a company four, five, six months, you're let go. It's easy to think, oh, I'm going to get a week severance. No, no. As a short service employee, you're still owed months severance. You're treated very well when it comes to severance. So keep that in mind. Even if you work for a short period of time, you lose your job, give me a call right away. Quick email by Jim to wrap it up. Says, Lior, my employer let me go, but is now saying that I resigned, so I don't get a severance. What do I do? Well, the first thing you do is uh, tell your employer you didn't resign and say, oh, if there's a misunderstanding, then no problem. I'm ready to come back to work tomorrow because I thought you let me go. Uh, If your employer says, oh, no, 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 then you have them on termination. Ideally, though, if your employer says you resigned uh, or or doesn't give you a termination letter in writing, email them right away saying, you let me go. Never, ever uh, accept a termination unless it's in writing. And that is a wrap for tonight, but that's okay. We're back in here tomorrow. So tune in once again at 630. In the meantime, reach out to Leorna's team. Always, always make that phone call. Do not hesitate to get the information first before making a move. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And that website, free and anonymous, built just for you. 
pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.